Hey, innovators, welcome to the Innovation Leaders Club podcast. The content in this podcast comes from an excerpt from our academy. How many ideas do you need for a successful innovation? Innovation is rarely the matter of a spark, an aha moment. It is rather the combination of multiple good ideas. But how many do you need to be successful? This podcast covers two key subjects to respond to the question. First, discussing how creativity is a number affair, wherein to get successful innovation, you will need a lot of ideas. Second, combining and killing ideas is a vital part of the creative session to filter and prioritize them. What is the Innovation Leaders Club Academy? The Academy aims to share for free the content of the discussions the Innovation Leaders Club members have during their venues in North America and Europe. How many ideas do you need for a successful innovation? An opportunity can be defined as a market's formal or latent needs, which are not formally expressed, a technological objective that can be reached to gain an important competitive edge, an action facing an impending trend, a response to a new type of user or client behavior, the development of a new application for an existing product, a reaction to an upcoming danger, that is, a new law, competitor, substitute, and more, a client's problem or a market's issue, which is the most frequent and certainly the best source, and others. Let's discuss the maturation of innovation. The innovation strategy is composed of strategic arenas, which are the area of focus for your innovation effort. A strategic arena should last between 5 and 10 years within an organization. The front end of innovation phase can be separated into three steps, each aimed at helping the maturation process. The lowest level of maturity is the opportunity, and there should be multiple opportunities within each arena. Opportunities can be identified as any of the following sources. A former or latent need, a problem that needs solving, a new technology, a new trend, and so on. Ideas can then be generated to seize your opportunity, and these ideas will be more focused. This is the most embryonic form of innovation. It's step one. A simple idea on a post-it is what starts it all. That idea can then be refined and combined with other ideas into a concept. A concept is an idea that has been well-defined. It is a one-pager as opposed to a one-liner. And after combining promising ideas, the process of refinement begins, which ultimately aims to validate the market, technical, operational, and financial feasibilities of the concept. It will eventually be presented at a project portfolio review, where it will compete against other well-defined concepts. Only the most promising of those will be selected, funded, and staffed. This selection process is vital to your organization's innovation strategy. If done correctly, it will mobilize key multifunctional stakeholders. It should get to the point where it no longer solely depends on the scope of your work or your marketing and R&D teams. After the selection is made, resource allocation can begin, and the concept will officially become a project and eventually be commercialized. Next, let's discuss how you can use the maturation process proposed by the Innovation Leaders Club. To mature, you will focus on one specific arena in which to identify opportunities. 
It is important to select which opportunity you'll execute, since you will define its scope and help to clarify what you're looking for. In order to address one of these opportunities, multiple ideas will need to be brought to the table. Having defined the scope of the opportunity will increase the potential for higher quality ideas. This will also help in identifying ideas that can be combined to create a whole concept. Such concept will go through a feasibility evaluation and will then compete against other concepts in the project portfolio review. During this meeting, only the best concepts will be selected and resources will be allocated. It is only by then that the concept can be called a project. The maturation process is a combination of the diverging cycle and the converging cycle. It focuses on identifying the potential opportunities, selecting one, and generating multiple ideas of solution. Then the process repeats by picking the best ideas and grouping some to develop concepts. The divergence-convergence process ends at the portfolio review when the leadership team selects the best concept. This is the best approach when it comes to the maturation of innovation. In a typical innovation cycle, there is a specific time in a calendar year when the front end of innovation happens. It should always be before the portfolio management, which could precede the annual budget planning period of the year or take place afterward. As an example, the front end of innovation could be initiated in the spring and end during the fall with the project portfolio management. Thus, the cycle is a duration of approximately six to eight months. As a rule of thumb, the duration of the front end of innovation should be 50% of the duration of the development phase. For instance, in this case, if the development phase lasts a year, then the front end of innovation would last six months prior to the development. However, there are cases where the front end of innovation is not completed after six months. In this case, the innovation opportunity will stay at this stage for another cycle. The time spent in the front end of innovation should not be a concern. What matters is how many quality project proposals come out of every portfolio review. With that said, there are cases in which an innovation opportunity may stay in the front end of innovation for multiple years because it is dependent on external considerations. This often happens with new technologies, new trends, or new regulations. When mapping multiple innovation cycles, it is interesting to note that the front end of innovation of a cycle occurs close to the launch period of the previous cycle. This means that when you meet customers to present them with your newly launched innovations, you should also present them with potential concepts to gather insights and feedback to feed your market feasibility. Note that this is the best way to optimize your customer and time while assuring that you perform your concept validation efficiently. Moreover, it will add a milestone for the front end of innovation team, allowing them to have concepts ready when meeting customers. There are club members who are capable of managing three innovation cycles in parallel. The amount of time to market becomes less of an issue if you implement a proactive innovation culture, encouraging an early start, rather than developing an idea quickly because you had a late start. Let's take a hypothetical example of a milk producer in North America. When analyzing its market information prior to defining its innovation strategy, the team was stunned by the data they found. 
the population grows at a rate of 2% a year, but the milk consumption decreased by a rate of 2% per year. Therefore, there is an overall 4% gap in milk consumption. By digging deeper, they found that 82% of the people who drink milk do so at home. Thus, the opportunity relies upon expanding the away-from-home consumption. The milk producer decided to focus its innovation effort on this data to define drinkable milk away from home as a strategic arena. Multiple opportunities can address this strategic arena, such as vending machines, lunchboxes, restaurants, events, schools, and so on. In this example, the selected opportunity is the lunchboxes. Now that a clear opportunity is identified, it is then possible to shift into a creative mode in order to generate original ideas. You can spawn multiple ideas specifically targeting the lunchbox. This includes relaunching the half pint with a 2.0 version, developing a Tetra Pak container type, using a form of sachet, and so on. Then the idea gets developed into a concept, which is then validated with a preliminary feasibility evaluation. In this example, the concept would have been a specific Tetra Pak format, specifically made for milk to fit into a lunchbox without having to worry about the temperature for preservation. This is a simple example, but it clearly explains the differences between a strategic arena, an opportunity, an idea, a concept, and a project. A vital part of the market input in the front end of innovation pipeline is the customer demand. Unfortunately, customers usually request solutions based on what they know. On the other hand, by digging deeper, you can unveil a broader market need, which often has far more significant market potential. However, specific techniques such as voice of customer surveys or techniques are required to unveil those latent needs. Recall the famous quote from Henry Ford. If I had asked the public what they wanted, they would have said, a faster horse. Mr. Ford understood a long time ago that you should listen to what the client needs, not what they ask for. If you like this content, you can watch the full version with animation by accessing it on YouTube. Simply search the exact title of this podcast to find out more. Also, if you don't want to miss a podcast, subscribe now and get notifications for real and practical innovation management practices coming directly from club members. Let's explore an interesting study on the front end of innovation practices. In 2007, Dr. Robert G. Cooper and Scott Edgett questioned 160 organizations regarding their front end of innovation practices. Even though this study dates back to 2007, it is still very relevant and widely used by club members. They questioned both B2B organizations and B2C, but B2Bs were overweight at 68%. There was also a bias favoring large organizations at 57%, while small and medium organizations were more closely weighted. There are three types of front-end of innovation practices. The voice of customer practices, which are identified by a diamond. Open innovation practices are identified by a square. And other practices are represented by a triangle. The following were not too popular and rated ineffective. External product design, external idea contest, external submission of ideas, ideas from startups, external scientific community, and partners and vendors. Other practices with low-rated effectiveness but a higher percentage of usage are 
patent mining, and internal idea capture systems. The higher-rated effectiveness practices but mildly used include community enthusiasts, ethnography, customer helps design the product, customer brainstorming, external scientific community, and disruptive technologies. Finally, the most popular and effective practices include lead user analysis, focus groups, peripheral vision, and customer visit teams. Notice that both ethnography and customer visit teams can be done on the same trip, on-site or with the customer. Interestingly, the most popular and effective practices were mainly the voice of customer practices, which usually requires speaking to your customers. The lowest performing practices are related to open innovation, which implies coordinating a broader ecosystem. According to club members, since 2007, the bottom practices related to open innovation seem to have improved. Next, let's discuss the proposed opportunity tool. Here's the typical content that should be included in a Concept 1 pager. First, the opportunity is identified. Then the current context is explained as well as the organization's current stake in this opportunity. Then the customer's problems and needs are quantified either by evaluating the number of customers having such problems or by the number that represents such issues. Afterward, the competing solutions shall be presented by detailing their advantages and disadvantages. Interestingly, the latter provides insights into the opportunity. At the bottom, the innovation target is defined. Then the objectives are quantified, such as the claims that the innovation will be marketed with. Moreover, the sandbox is clearly defined by precisely defining what kind of solution is included and what is excluded. As an example, it could specify to exclude any solution that would be made of plastic, on the counterpart to include all solutions that could be also suited for e-commerce. This way you are already framing the criteria for idea submission. Finally, another layer of constraints can be added, such as the product must be biodegradable or the total cost must be under $100. Such constraint makes the ideation process more difficult. However, it will shorten the path going forward by increasing the quality of ideas that will be submitted, as they will be nearer to the set of expectations. Let's proceed to identify a real problem and discuss the tools that can be used in finding its root cause or major causes. Let's discuss the three key approaches used in identifying a real problem, namely the five whys analysis, an affinity diagram, and the fishbone diagram. One of the most popular strategies in identifying a real problem is the five whys analysis. Using this technique will enable you to quickly remove the layers of distracting indications from detecting the real causes of a problem. The Five Whys analysis is a simple tool for drilling down a request to identify the root cause of the problem by asking why five times. However, it is vital to clarify that asking five times is situational. There are instances when you can discover the root cause after asking why three times, or you may even have to ask more than five times to reach an answer. Regardless of the specific number, coming up with the root cause is the overall objective. As a reminder, if you like this content, you can watch the full version with animation by accessing YouTube. Search the exact title of this podcast to find out more.